Fear is a ferocious four-letter word. Thankfully, so is its remedy, love. Have you ever considered the many ways in which love can protect you from fear? Dr. David Jeremiah has. And today, on Turning Point, he shares them as he brings his series in 1 John, Living in the Light, to a close. With encouragement for conquering your fears with love, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Casting Out Fear. You know, fear is a is a night stalker, isn't it? It comes to us in the quietness of the night. It gets us when we're off guard, and especially when we're fatigued. We become afraid when we become tired. And uh, the Bible tells us a lot about fear. It's overly, overly played in the Scripture. I forget how many times the word fear is in the New Testament, but it's a lot. And um, if you struggle with fear, you should become a student of the Bible because it will help you. Fear not is often the introduction to great, great therapy for that problem. Today we're going to finish up our discussion of 1 John 4, 17 through 19, and the end of our discussion of the book of 1 John. It's been wonderful to teach this book, to get it under our belt, and learn what it says about so many practical things. Um, We would love for you to have the study guide that goes with this series and the CDs, which are all available from Turning Point. Go to davidjeremiah.org. There you'll see the first John content. You'll be able to order it, have it sent to your home. We delight to make these materials available to you. And then we're halfway through the month, and um, I don't have a lot of days yet to tell you about our devotional guide because I frankly am so excited about this. I carry it around with me half the time just because I love having it in my hands. And I know this is going to be the source of great encouragement to many of you this year. If you don't get this, you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to wake up every day and know that waiting for you in that beautiful leather book is a message to jumpstart your day, get you focused on what God wants to do in your life, encourage you, strengthen you, buoy up your spiritual life. Oh, oh, I could just go on. Whatever you do, don't forget to order your copy of Every Day with Jesus. It's very simple. Send a year-end gift to Turning Point. This is something I hope all of you will do. This is a critical month for us. This is the ingathering month, the ingathering of resources. And so when you help us with that and just say, please send me the devotional, you'll get it in a few days. It'll come to you shrink-wrapped protected from the elements, and we'll get it to you just as soon as possible. But most of all, thank you for your gift. It means a lot to us, and we're delighted to put this beautiful product in your hand as our way of saying thank you. Well, we're halfway through this message on fear. Let's finish it up, okay? First John four seventeen through 19. In the Old Testament, there is a word that is used in many of the passages that we've learned and quoted throughout our years, and it's the little word dismayed. Be not dismayed. Now, that's not a word we use today. I mean, what was the last time you came home and said to your kids, be not dismayed? I mean, they're not going to understand that. That doesn't make any sense to us in our culture. But the word is an old Hebrew word, and the word in Hebrew means not to be intimidated or to be discouraged. Now, the fact that we don't know a lot about that word in our culture does not do away with this importance because I went through dozens of passages where that word is used to describe what happens to us when we get intimidated by fear. And what I want to do is take you on a little journey through some of these passages. And I'm going to show you the verses where we are told not to be dismayed. And I want you to notice as you look at these verses that every time we are encouraged not to be dismayed, 
Almighty God is in the picture. Every time, it's amazing to me, every time we are told not to be dismayed. You know, what good would it do if I were to stand up here today and say, friends, here's my message for you on fear. Don't be afraid. Now that would be great, wouldn't it? You just walk out of here so blessed until you had the next encounter with fear and you'd realize it didn't do you any good. No, God isn't saying to us, don't be afraid. He's saying, don't be discouraged. Don't be intimidated. And here's why. Now you got the setting. Now you'll see this every time we go through one of these passages of scripture. And I want you to note that many of them are passages where God is trying to encourage somebody to do something that's going to be hard and going to be difficult and could easily overwhelm them. Let's begin first in the Old Testament and in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31 in verse 8. Now watch this. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So do not fear or be intimidated or be dismayed. Now isn't that a great verse? It saves the instruction until the end, but God is all over that verse, isn't he? He's in every word. You don't want to be dismayed because God is with you. Notice Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 Chronicles 28.20. Here's a passage of scripture where David is instructing his son Solomon about the building of the great temple that Solomon was going to build. Listen to these words. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of a good courage and do it. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord God, my God, will be with you and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Notice 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. These are the words of Jehaziel to Jehoshaphat and his people when the armies of Moab and Ammon were coming against them and were going to destroy them. And Almighty God came and said, don't be intimidated, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Why? Because I'm in the picture. How many of you know that when God's in the picture, you're in pretty good shape? Take God out of the picture and just telling people not to be afraid is no better than a positive mental attitude message. You can go to a lot of churches today and people tell you, oh, you just got to be strong. Well, how? How do you be strong? How do you be courageous? If God is not inside that frame, in that picture, you will fail. And here's the point. It's because God loves you, because he has proven his love for you, that he has demonstrated his love for you through the death of Jesus Christ, that he has promised that if he would also give up his only son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things, including the confidence to walk through life without always being in fear? It's the love that God has for us that dispels the fear of discouragement. Let's look at another one. The Bible tells us that we should be reminded of the fact that love will protect us from danger. Isaiah 12, 2 says it this way. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. 
a lady once came up to Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, and she said to him, she said, I have found the most wonderful promise in the Bible that has helped me to overcome fear. And Moody says, well, what's your verse? She says, well, my verse is Psalm 56, 3. Here's what Psalm 56, 3 says. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Now, Moody said, that's a good verse, but it's not a great verse. I don't know how you categorize the Bible as not being great, but if Moody did it, I'll let him worry about that. But Moody said, that's not the best verse. She says, well, what could be better than that? He said, let me give you my verse. And he gave her Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Psalm 56, 3 says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust. Isaiah 12, 2 says, I will trust so that I'm never afraid. In other words, he is saying that your faith is not to be a medicine you take when the disease of fear comes upon you. It's a vaccine you take so that fear never comes upon you and you will not be discouraged. Love protects us from the fear of danger. It is always better to trust God and not fear than to fear and then trust him. Thirdly, love will protect you from the fear of defeat. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Deuteronomy 31.6, read these words, Be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do you get the pattern of the scripture here? Every time you're given an instruction not to be afraid and not to be dismayed, it is always linked to this truth. You don't have to be afraid because of God. Not because you're any better than anybody else or you have a bold conscience, but because God is in the picture. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be saved. Isaiah 41, 10. This is one of my favorite verses. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Man, I could just stand up here and read the Bible, and we could have us a great service, you know? Just because the word of God is so encouraging to our hearts, is it not? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried that we're going to be defeated in some battle. I read this week a story of a missionary who came to the United States from England back in the early days of our country. And believe it or not, we had missionaries who came to America to evangelize America. And this missionary, a guy by the name of Elliot, came to America and his mission was to evangelize the Indians who were on the planet here, who were on our continent. He was so involved in that endeavor that he was called the apostle to the American Indians. Many times during his ministry, he was the only Englishman in the wilderness with all the Indians. In fact, in one place he said he was the only white face among all the Indians of his time. And many times he was treated in a threatening and a barbarous manner because they didn't know what he was up to and they were afraid of him. But he was a fearless man. 
He was so confident of his divine protector that whenever he was threatened, here's what he would say. He would say, I am about the work of the great God, and my God is with me so that I fear neither you nor all the chiefs in your country. I will go on my work, and you touch me if you dare. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Oh, that God would raise up some people today with an iron core like that in their belly, you know, who aren't afraid because they know how great God is. And you know what? In all the years he served among the American Indians, no one ever touched the man. He never was harmed. He was never imprisoned. He was never beaten. He served out his whole ministry. Never once was he injured because he had the courage of faith in the loving provision and protection of his great God. God's love had cast out all fear in his life. He was like that person about whom we read. He had such great fear of God. He had no fear of any man. What a man he was. Does God still do that kind of thing today? Absolutely. God will give us the courage to overcome our fear of defeat through his love. Notice the fourth one. Love protects us from the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, watch this, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did you know that people are constantly living in the fear of death? They are totally mesmerized by the fear of death. I read a story this week about a guy who thought he had been bitten by a tick. And he read somewhere that this particular brand of tick would cause him to get Lyme's disease and that he would ultimately die. He began to get all this literature and he would go and have tests and they would tell him he did not have Lyme's disease, but he didn't believe it. He ultimately died. He worried himself. He was so fearful over this. He died. And when he died, they went to his mailbox and they found it was stuffed full of all kinds of new studies on Lyme's disease and a copy of his appointment for the next doctor who was going to check him out to see whether he had it after he had been checked out dozens of times and told he didn't have it. He was so fearful of death, it killed him. (laughs) He was afraid so much that he went to an early grave. And there are people like that. And unfortunately, there's some Christian people that I know who are so afraid of death. Now, frankly, I don't want to die. Can I get a witness? (laughs) You know, I'm not in any hurry for death. I'm not going to do a George Bush and jump out of an airplane when I'm 85 and parachute to the earth. I'm not going to, you know, that's tempting God. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I'm not afraid to die. And I know that for sure because I've looked it in the face. And I know that I don't want to die. I want to live in the most intense way you can imagine. But I'm not afraid to die. You know why? Because i got nothing to fear. I don't fear dying. I know what's on the other side. And it just gets better and better. God, through his love, dispels the fear of death. And let me give you the last one. And this takes us all the way back to 1 John chapter 4. He protects us not only from the fear of death, but love protects us from the fear of damnation. It says here, notice in your Bibles, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And then later on in verse 18, it says, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The love that builds confidence in us also banishes fear. We love God and we reverence him, but we do not love God and come to him in love and at the same time hide from him in terror. Fear involves torment or punishment. 
The perfect love of God was displayed for us in his coming through his son to be our savior. When that perfect love becomes ours at the very moment we believe, listen to me, the very moment we believe, the judgment for our sins became a thing of the past. We will not ever be judged for our sins if we are Christians. You say, well, does that mean I can sin and no penalty? No, I'm not saying you won't have trouble if you sin. God will penalize you in this life, but you will never stand before God again to give an account for your sin. He paid every payment on your sin debt, and it's once and for all paid. You will never stand at the great white throne judgment if you're a Christian. That's where all unbelievers will be. You don't have anything to worry about if you're a Christian. You say, well, what about the sins I committed after I got saved? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of your sins did you commit after Jesus died for you? How many? All of your sins were future when Jesus died. Did he forgive just a certain ones of them up to a point? No, he forgave them all. He paid the penalty for all your sin. You say, well, what about when I sin as a Christian? That's a relationship issue. You need to go to your father and say, Father, I'm sorry, and get things right with him. But it doesn't have anything to do with your position before God. You are saved, and you will never see judgment. You say, Pastor, is that in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Romans 8.1. There is therefore what? Now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When is there no condemnation? In the future? No, now. There is no condemnation now. If you're a Christian, you are no longer condemned. And one day you will go to heaven and you'll spend eternity with the Lord. You will go to the judgment seat of Christ. And you will be judged for the things done in your flesh. But that's about the loss of rewards. That's not about the penalty of hell. If you're a Christian, your sins are paid for in full. And that's why John says God's love casts out any fear of torment and any fear of judgment. He loved you so much, he took that all away. Hallelujah. That's gone. And John 5, 24 puts it this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you get all the tenses there? You shall not come into judgment. Why? Because you have already passed from death into life. When the love of God is perfected in us, we no longer fear meeting God in judgment. In fact, we long for his coming. We look forward to seeing him. We're filled with anticipation of seeing him face to face. And that is the hope of every Christian. That is why, because if you're a Christian, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to wake up in the middle of the night and say, well, what if I should die tonight and I go stand before God? You don't have to be afraid of that because you've already made peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's forgiven your sin and you are accepted by the Father. Amen. Now, that's true for every believer. But I want to tell you something. If I weren't a Christian, I would be afraid of judgment. I would be in torment over the future. I would be concerned what would happen to me if I'd walk out of this place and get run over by a car or have a heart attack and immediately be ushered into the presence of a holy God and have him say to me, why should I let you into my heaven and have no answer? Because you see, the only answer you can ever give in that moment is, Because I have received Jesus Christ, your son, as my savior, and he is the only way to heaven. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, then my friend, you ought to be really afraid. You ought to be in fear. I can't do anything to help you except tell you how to get on the other side. Harry Ironside has a graphic paragraph in one of his books that describes the kind of torment people will have 
without God forever. It's a little different slant than you've heard before, so listen carefully. He said, I think the most awful torment that can come to a lost soul in the pit of woe will be to think of days gone by, to remember mercies that were rejected, to meditate upon grace despised, and to cry in anguish of soul, and to cry these words, Jesus died for me, and I knew all about it. He shed his precious blood for sinners, and I heard about it over and over again. He died for me, and I rejected him. I rejected his mercy, and here I am shut away from the light and joy of God for all eternity, and it's all my fault. I might have been saved. I might have been washed from my sins, but I refuse to trust the Savior that provided, and now his wrath is upon me forever. I cannot imagine anything worse than that. As I understand it, that will be the very essence of torment that lost men and women will endure for eternity. When we die, we will either go to heaven or we will go to hell. There is no purgatory. There's no holding place. There's no in-between. There's no waiting for a second chance. If we go to heaven, it will be because we have put our trust in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other way. I don't care what anybody else says. We say, oh, Pastor Jeremiah, I don't happen to believe that. Well, that doesn't change a thing. That doesn't change one thing. You know, do you think we can make things not true just because we say we don't believe them? The fact of the matter is, it's true. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will spend eternity in hell. And it's a real place where you will have torment. And part of the torment will be the mental anguish of having been in a service like this where the gospel was preached and you rejected it and you walked out. And you said, I don't want any of that. And you will remember in living color every detail of that service when you could have been saved. Just as believers will remember, I believe, in heaven the moment they accepted Christ and turned the angel choirs to rejoicing. So I want to ask you a question today. Why would you play with that? Why would you not do what you feel in your heart you know you should do? Why would you not say, Lord God, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I want to accept your son, Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure I'm going to heaven and get my sins forgiven, get the free gift of eternal life, and become a Christian in the real sense of that word so that I don't have to always be living in fear of death and of damnation. I can have the assurance in my heart through the love of God that I'm ready to meet my maker. You may be young here today, and one of the problems with being young is you think you've got forever to do this got no guarantee that you're going to live out your life. You may be old and you may think, well, it's too late. I've already lived my whole life this way and I, it's not fair to God for me to give him what's left. My friend, one minute in hell would make you regret that. I promise you. <laughs> one minute. You better get saved now, no matter where you are, whether you're young or you're old. And I'm asking you today as your pastor, don't let this opportunity go by. If you want fear dispelled from your heart, accept the love of God through Jesus Christ, his son. You know, during these days, um, not only because it's at the end of the year, but as, as you get older, you do this, you, you think back over your life and you, you think about the way you've lived and what you've done. And you know, one of the things I've always been encouraged by is that if you don't get to heaven and you've been listening to this program, it's not my fault. <laughs> I have told you over and over again what you must do to go to heaven. I have never let two or three days go by without there being a personal invitation on this radio program. 
The same is true in my church. I often think about the people that come to church every week that don't become Christians. What an awful lot of regret they're going to have someday when they remember how many opportunities they had to receive the Lord. So once again, let me just say this. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Has there ever been a time in your life when you invited him to come and forgive your sin and begin living in your life by way of his Holy Spirit? He will do that. He will come immediately and live within you. Most of all, he'll forgive you and give you the assurance that one day you're going to spend eternity with him. We've studied this month about being like him when we see him, but you got to see him and you got to get there. And the way you get there is by inviting Christ into your life. Do it today before it's too late. We'll see you next time. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. To let us know how God is using Turning Point to deepen your faith, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin a series of special messages for Christmas on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Back again this year, the home for Christmas Channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the home for Christmas Channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit TurningPoint.tv to start streaming today. That's TurningPoint.tv. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. You and I have forgotten a lot that we used to know. Perhaps it is an algebraic formula from a math class, or a telephone number, or the words of a hymn. The saying is definitely true, out of sight, out of mind we eventually forget those things we stop using. The author of Psalm 119 said that he continually set God's judgments before him so he could walk in them. 
and he used the nighttime hours watching the sheep as a way to meditate on God's Word. In order to know and remember the truth of God's Word, we must continually keep it before us. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how to remember God's Word on Route 66. Route 66, driving the Word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.